What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Workprint Magicians podcast. We're back after a week off because I was tired and Nicole really <laughs> wanted to do a podcast, so I apologize. <laughs> we missed, uh, I know we missed a really good episode last week. Uh, a lot of cool stuff happened, a lot of which I can't remember at this moment because we have such a fantastic episode ahead of us. Um, the musical episode, or I think better, it should be better known as the Margot episode. Yes, there was a lot of really good um, 80s songs on this in this episode, and I kind of wish I knew all of them. <laughs> I'm terrible with titles, yes. but at least I'm pretty sure their their White Snake was in it. Like here we go again, right? Yeah, yeah, that was probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I should introduce ourselves. I'm Bilal, and uh, that voice you just heard was Nicole. Yes, and we're from the Workprint. Yes. Plug, follow, follow us everywhere at theworkprint.com. Yes, exactly. You'll hear all those plugs at the end for sure. But for now, let's get into this episode. Uh, Nicole, I didn't take notes this episode because, yet again... Per I, usual. Per I, usual. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. I take that. I have a magician's notebook. I have a magician's notebook that has my magician's notes in it. I don't know. I kind of don't believe you until I see it in person. So, I, mm, sure. I will add a, a picture of it um, in your review for this oh, episode. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Added media. I see. Yes. <laughs> it, it's, just, it, it's just not going to make any sense at all in context of your article. It's just going to be like... The Lost Magician's <laughs> Notebook at the yes. very end. <laughs> oh. So, I think last week we left off with Penny mm-hmm. uh, learning something about Very Creature exciting. Elliot yeah. from the actual Elliot. Yeah, he, um, after visiting um, the Creature's Mind Palace, which, which you know what, is sort of interesting because it was like a reversal of like, um, it's like going into the monster's mind instead of Elliot's mind, but they kind of inhabit the same place at this point, right? Yeah. So that's why the door appeared in last week's episode, and Elliot was the real Elliot was there waiting for Penny. And so when Penny 23 wakes up from his, um, not coma exactly, but he was unconscious for a little while, he tells uh, Quentin and Julia that it's so much worse. And it is so much worse because we find out this week that the monster actually has a sister and the stone objects are actually for his sister's body and not his own and this kind of brings up a lot of um questions right and hopefully a lot of these questions will be answered in next week's episode but firstly though like i i kind of was thinking if if let's say this these organs are for his sister's body wouldn't um, the creature still need his own, like, more permanent body at some point? Or is he just going to body hop for the rest of his life, right? I mean, didn't... Because um, even, like, the my, body that we saw in Black Spire was not his original body. Yeah. Charlton. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, oh my god, he's going to take somebody's body. Poor Alice. It's going to have to be Alice. Because she's if a it's good just one, a, yeah. If, if, if... This is how I see it happening. If his sister needs another body it's gonna be alice because alice is on a redemptive redemptive arc yeah and katie is um 
what do you call it? Katie is on her own story. She's the head of the yeah. head hedgewish. Uh, which oh, wow, I I cannot talk this week. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she's like, she's head hedge witch. Say that three times fast. Head hedge witch. Head hedge witch. Head hedge witch. <laughs> yes, now we have a sandwich. Um, and yeah, well, Julia's got her own thing going on. Oh my god, what if the creature sister takes Julia? Godlike powers and a godlike being with godlike power. So, but that's that's the question, right? Like, do the, would the stones actually make a body, or is it more of like just the sister's sort of like magical essence you know what i mean like and like the soul of a creature yeah, exactly exactly because clearly they're strong enough that they can body jump right from, from yeah meat sack to meat sack but are they would they be strong enough to create their own body i guess not from scratch from the looks of it but maybe the the um it's i guess it is possible that the stones would still create a body right i don't know Maybe but we'll find out. I mean, if they had Martin Chatwin at least, or Christopher Plover, yeah. they could at least make pinkies. Oh hey, yeah, there we go. They and the creature could pinkies. live. In, the creature could live in pinkies. <laughs> <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> but one thing that was really interesting too from last week's episode is that, so that flashback where the monster is telling Penny Twenty Three about the altar and that there was a girl on the altar to lure in, um, whatchamacallit, to lure in Enulias, that was actually his sister. So he was witnessing his sister being sacrificed or killed, probably, right? Yeah. And this ties in pretty nicely to kind of what happens to um, the monster next, because he goes to a bar, and he... Um, is attracted to the bar because apparently it smells like death. It's a bar next to a hospital. And he starts chatting to um, this young woman who is obviously very distressed. And she's like, oh, um, if you want to talk to me, you need to buy me a drink. So he she buys he buys her a, dr- a couple drinks, and they're kind of chatting. Okay, yeah. he, he really doesn't buy her anything. He's just like, can you pour her a drink? And then like, I guess technically out. doesn't, yeah, oh yeah, he doesn't pay. He's he doesn't pay. I, I mean, I can I can teleport. I can, <laughs> yeah. Who pays? <laughs> Let's not justify this creature by saying he actually paid for okay, something. Okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> good point. Good point. So the the lady basically found out that she um she only has like a couple months left to live, and she has to break the bad news to her parents, and so she's gonna leave. But then she sort of feels like the monster slash creature Elliot is pretty harmless because she doesn't really know who he is. And so she then kind of tenderly cups um, her hand on his cheek, and he suddenly remembers that, hey, he has a sister. And so he takes her, and she's like, and he's like, oh, do that again, do that again. He's like, and she, and he was like, every time you do that, I remember something. About Um, my sister. About my sister. And so he then takes her, and who knows? We actually don't know where he takes her to. But because yeah, he's gone, yeah, he just disappears. Like I guess he could have taken her back to the apartment, but I don't know, because they, we don't really see that at least not in not in this episode. Um, back to Penny Twenty Three, Julia and Quentin. They're trying to figure out how to find Enulia still, right? And they don't really have a game plan as far as what to do once they do find him, because on the one hand, they don't want the the monster to build the body for his sister but then also 
they need to find the god and warn him to basically like hide like find the best hiding place you can think of because you know this powerful entity is after you so one thing that um penny 23 remembers um in in that memory with the monster is that emulias was wearing oh actually no one thing that was bugging him is that um Wait, was it that he saw an emerald ring in the memory? Yes. But there's nothing about the emerald ring in any of the research that they've been doing about Emulias. And so they couldn't, they haven't been able to find anything useful. Um, and then, so after he mentions that, Julia remembers when she was still with the free traders that there was a god who um, was known for wearing an emerald ring. And so she. Uh, looks it up and remembers that this god's name is Angus and he's a trickster god um, and that the there is an entire race dedicated to protect and entertain him and these are the leprechauns so that's, <laughs> that's really funny and, and yeah. pretty interesting with their pot of gold <laughs> I do enjoy how Q was like um, you know you have a bad history with trickster, trickster gods god. right? Yeah, she's like, she's like it's fine don't worry about it yeah. hence once again Julia being like, you know what? I'm not dwelling in the crap that's happened to me, so it's fine. Yeah. So they are able to track down a person who they think could be a leprechaun. It's it's uh, the owner of a shoe repair shop, um, and they basically ask her, listen, uh, we need to find a leprechaun because we need to find a god named Angus, and that's our only lead and so she eventually kind of gives in and was like you guys are so desperate it was just so funny to watch so she leads him kind of to the back of um her shop and it turns out to be an escape room where they have everything that they need to be able to unlock a door where angus is located and i like i think the one thing that sort of sticks to mind the most is like the the doorknob was put in um in one of those machines where you try to get like a prize but in if you try to put your hand kind of underneath the slot it's filled with blades and so julia is the logical person to grab that because she's indestructible right yeah you know what i saw this exact same trap in saw 2 oh really <laughs> yeah where uh, was it one of the daughters from one tree hill was like she was like a drug addict or something like throwing her away yeah her life with do drugs so they put like a, or she was cutting i think she was cutting so like her key was like in a, like a box full of glass oh shards God. so she could put her hand oh. in but as she yeah as she pulled it down it would cut <laughs> so Oof. it was interesting that, yeah i'm sorry <laughs> yeah that gives me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> yeah. but it's kind of funny julia's fine yeah yeah julia's just like bouncing off the dagger it's like, like ah um, and then eventually Penny23 finds the correct key that unlocks the door on top of the door frame. So they go inside, and then once they enter, the room actually looks empty, but of course Angus is actually hiding behind a chair. So at this point they do know that Enelias was just kind of like a fake persona to throw off people from his real identity, which is Angus, right? And they're like, you need to hide because the monster's coming. And eventually he gives in and he's like, you guys, you mortals are so like um, panicky with your concept of time and your 
fear of mortality, basically, I think. And he ends up saying, fine, I have kind of like a panic room that he can go to, um, that the monster can't even uh, get in as well. But he can't remember his password. And it's like this old kind of like wooden keyboard. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and he tries like a whole bunch of combinations. But before he goes in too, he asks Julia, oh, to come with him because they are actually a lot more similar than she knows and that he can help her kind of figure out what's going on with her. And she's very tempted, but she, but no. Like, don't go into, the, into strangers' rooms, where especially trickster god, Julia. She's learned her lesson. Okay, so, so this scene... At, uh, after this point, should... I think, I mean... The monster basically comes, though. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, like, there's a few things about this scene that, like, play really weird for me. One, you're a god. You're you're supposed to be an all-knowing How can you being. forget your password? How do you forget your password? Yeah. Uh, two, why do you need a fallout shelter? Like, I understand, like, the creatures are on par, on level, but, like... What if two of them just teamed up against them, like, kind of like they did with the sister? Like, why didn't they just do any of this again? Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. But maybe, you know what? Maybe they're just, like, the monster's too powerful. And even because he's already taken... Well, that's the thing, right? Why couldn't the other, other gods help? Right? Is this something we're learning next week, Nicole? Sort of. <laughs> I've seen I've seen episode eleven. Sorry, <laughs> I I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, and it raises. I will say episode eleven really raises a whole bunch of new questions, and it'll be really really fun to chat about this next week. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm looking forward to it because like this, because my worry about seasons that build up a mystery like this, um, is sometimes they don't pay off, and if it doesn't pay off, the season doesn't work. Ah. So as long as, like, the reveal works, it's even more... It just makes it, that season so much more satisfying. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, a good, I, the, a only good thing, the only thing I will tease is that after I saw this episode, I, like, yelled profanities in front of my laptop. <laughs> oh, man, I think I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there will be... There will be um, it's, I think it's, for me personally at least, it was like a really unexpectedly good payoff. Yeah, I will grab my magician's notebook, curl up. Yes, please take some notes. Ahem, Bilal. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so, okay, back on track. The monster comes, he com He enters the room with the head of poor Barry, who, Barry the leprechaun, whom he's killed, and he ends up killing Angus and takes um, the last stone item from him. Um, and then uh, Penny23 um, teleports Julia and Quentin away before the monster can do anything. Um, and they all go back to the apartment. And But at this point, though, I'm surprised that the monster hasn't gone back to the apartment either. And he, he could have been like, why'd you guys leave so fast, huh? Like, But he hasn't yet. So we'll find out, I guess, what's going on with that. Yeah, because I, I don't think he even knows what he's doing with those things as of yet. That's true. Like, I think, you know, it'll be really interesting to find out how much of his memory has been jogged back by this lady at the bar. Caressing yeah. of the face. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But let's move on to what's going on with Zelda and the Hedge Witches. So this is... um. 
the other team, other part, other half of the team has been working on this. And at first we see that Zelda has gone to Everett in the library and has asked him how the investigation with the Serpent Group has been going. And Everett has um, said that, well, basically Phyllis is in charge of that. Phyllis, who is Jewel State from uh, Serenity. <laughs> um, so, like, shameless plug-in, because that's a really good show. Um, <laughs> and Zelda actually tries to volunteer to help, um, because, you know, she given that her with her own personal background, with her mom being a hedge, like, there might be places that she can think of that um, the team hasn't um, thought of yet to investigate. So Everett, though, kind of gently bring Buster and he's like oh but you've already got a lot of other stuff um, going on so you should really like don't put any more on your plate so the next scene is that um, Alice Alice, Katie and Zelda are at the apartment and Alice and Katie basically explain that they've put a tracer into the pipeline system um, that I think explodes or like they lose track of at the, it, after it leaves the planet yeah, or was it after, galaxy after it leaves the planet it was destroyed yeah. at some point and so that it was probably by the other librarians who like sort of figured out what was happening alright so here's my question um, I don't understand how this magic system works because if the tracer was going through the planet, like, mm-hmm. is it just Earth? Because, I mean, we have an entire universe, but there's also the multiverse of other worlds. So, like, is it leaving Earth that, to, see, like, Fillory? Or is it leaving Earth that's to, like, question. Mars? <laughs> Who knows? And, like, I... There's a whole bunch yeah. of untapped magic on yes. Mars, guys. Yes. You heard it here first. Work print explosive. <laughs> that Martian magic. Free for the taking. Ooh, Martian magic. I like it. <laughs> But, you know, that's a good question because we don't really know how the library as an entity operates in the fact that is it one library entity across all the multiverse? That's right? what I'm guessing because they have access to the fountains, at least. So then, technically, like, they would have copies of every version's, every timeline's books, right? So, like, Penny that sounds crazy. book versus Penny 40's book. Versus... Wait, would they have Penny 23? No, Penny... Yeah, Penny 23's Te- book. Technically, would they? they would, right? If, but why? If Because he exists. Like, they have well, the book of every person that exists. So, if But would if it be from entity, the... Yeah. But would it be from the point that he entered the timeline? Or would it be from the very beginning of his life? So, if... If we... If we... <laughs> this if is all we, metaphysical yeah. magician's <laughs> talk. <laughs> If we assert that there's only one central library across every multiverse and across every timeline, then they would it would be kind of like probably different volumes of the same person. And you know what I mean? So Yeah. Penny 23's 23 timeline book ends at some point and then he jumps into the 40 sections. It'll be like Penny 23 slash in the 40 section in timeline 40 like shelf or whatever. Technically, if that's kind of how we're thinking about the library, but if it's different libraries across different timelines, then then they would never cross because they would only have the information for the folks who exist in their timeline, theoretically, right? 
I believe so, but I also believe we have hurt the minds of everyone Yeah, listening. we obviously think about this way too much. <laughs> but I, I was also thinking of um, the library are probably a bunch of eco-terrorists. Because just imagine how much paper you would need. Yo, that's true. To They're killing all trees. Those books. They're killing trees. Yeah. Yeah. They're even killing trees in the underworld. Ah, shame. Shame. Yeah. Confirm trees exist in the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, they can always magically grow new trees, so I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> is, is that... But... Hey, if think, Julia's magic ma- could grow trees, right? I don't know. Like a whole forest of trees. Was that with... No, that was just with her regular power. She No, was she, that was her was she had god power. power. Yeah. yeah that, well, that's goddess power. That's a, that's a whole different Oh, level. well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But technically, I guess you could keep magically creating one tree at a time, right? I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> the magical paper department. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that, how do you guys oh, oh. reuse your, your, your paper? We need a showrunner podcast <laughs> where we just talk to the showrunners about... All our <laughs> metaphysical yeah. thoughts and questions about it's the magicians. Like, where does um, magical waste go? <laughs> <laughs> when the magician, I heard at break bills that the magicians just used to poop where they were standing and then make it disappear. Is this true? <laughs> Please confirm. <laughs> that sorry, that was Hogwarts. <laughs> <sighs> so okay, wait, where were we? Um, oh, okay, so. Uh, Katie and Alice show Zelda what they've mapped out in the pipes and basically tell the librarian that, you know, what the what the library is reporting as far as ambient level magic is nowhere near what's actually being pumped out there, and it's significantly lower. And so this is sort of like their point of really hardcore recruiting Zelda to be the mole for them, because Alice goes, I don't think you signed up to, to, for an organization that lies. And so she's trying to really play at her kind of her moral compass and to be like, clearly there's something really fishy going on here. And she's the only person who can find out what they're using, why the ambient level magic is so low and what they're using it for. What are they hoarding it for? Right. So we'll find out next week what that is, hopefully, and um, whether or not Zelda really goes through with being you know their mole and so we get to the longest part of this week's episode um which is margo's epic quest to aka why you shouldn't lick a lizard oh yeah (laughs) no kids don't ever lick lizards because they will give you a bad trip um but you know what speaking of that (laughs) so Let's start off. Margot's in the desert. She's going to the southern to the southern part of Fillory to find the nomads and to find the foremost and his ice axes. And so she's run out Wait, of water. Wait, what? What? She, right? Was that really the reason she set out that yeah. way? I I can't remember yeah. why. What was her? So Josh at the banquet or pre-banquet last week tells her that um, he heard ab- about these very very special axes that could. Um, uh, Exercise, exercise demons. demons. Yes, Demon that's, that is right. But they didn't show up to the party. No, they didn't show up to the party because the foremost hates um, Fillory and is an yeah. enemy of Fillory. So it kind of worked out for Margot um, to be banished because so once she gets there, well, first so she runs out of water, right? So she takes out the lizard and is talking to the lizard and is like, you know, I need, like, I, for- I kind of forget what she says, but essentially she's like, give me a sign, basically. And 
um, or point me to water, I think. And so she sees one bead of water on, like, the lizard's back, and, like, she's so thirsty that she licks it, and then she starts tripping out and sees Elliot, and this is when he, Elliot starts singing, and she's like, oh, balls, I'm okay. super high right now. Yeah. I was super confused if that was actually Hale Appleman singing until... I think later in the episode, I, I realized was, yeah. it was all of them singing, yeah. and I was like, "I was like, God damn that that boy can sing." They, I think they are all Even, pretty decent, especially yeah. well, especially Jay Taylor. Jay Taylor has like an amazing voice. Yeah, as we've seen from previous musical episodes. Yeah, yeah like holy crap! Like I was actually floored by how good they were. Like you know, I'm always. I'm always hesitant when the show's like, we're doing a musical episode because yeah, that's something fans request. Yeah, yeah and, and like, we saw what happened with Grey's Anatomy. Like, if you haven't seen the Grey's Anatomy musical I episode, just like, go YouTube it. It's <laughs> Or actually, it's, if you have Netflix, it just I think it's around season six or seven. Or you can Google what episode uh-huh. it is. It's bad. Like, listen to the rendition of the Frey song that was like, that was it like made that... Excruciating? <laughs> it was excruciating. Oh, God. But, um... Yeah, so, like, not all musical episodes work, or, like, work for all shows, but, like, they should do another one. <laughs> yeah. They should, like, I mean, like, this one was more like a, Mar- a Margot trip. I really think they should just find some magical reason to do an entirely um, musical episode, just like uh, Buffy did with uh, oh. Hush. Oh, yeah. that would be really cool. Um, hopefully next Scrubs. season, right? Scrubs yeah. had a great musical episode. You can do an article on top 10 best musical episodes ever. You know what? I think I will. You can do that. And include, you know, relevant YouTube links to it. Thank you. (laughs) I I don't think I know any other shows that have had (laughs) musical episodes. Really? Wait, I'm sure there's more. Actually, I'm sure someone's already written this. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to Google this. Uh, Why don't you continue? Okay. So, Margot is tripping out and she's like, um, I don't know if this is real. Like, Elliot, is this really you? Um, and then she faints from dehydration. But then, um, the people that she was actually looking for end up finding her, um, which is, you know, the foremost and his tribe. So, at first, they're like, we don't like outsiders. But then, um, one of their elder sort of council women, um, notices that she has the, um, Kind of scars of banishment from um, from uh, Fen having her be branded as a traitor and like she's banished from Fillory forever, and so that you know actually does work in Margot's favor because they say that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So she gets taken into one of their tents, and when she wakes up, she sees um, she meets that elder lady, who then explains to her what the red sand is because she actually saw the red sand outside too while she was hallucinating. Um, and they turn out to be the demonic spirit spirits where whenever a woman in the desert becomes agitated, angry, or upset, the demon comes and possesses them. And this causes paralysis and eventually death. But they have those ice axes that um, is used to then expel the demon out. They can't actually kill the demon though, so they've learned to trap it in these um, in these basically test tube bottles. So she gets to witness this in person, and um, so she can confirm that it actually works, right? And it's real. So she asks where the foremost um, 
is reciting because she decides that she's going to seduce him to be able to get her hands on those ice axes. And uh, so Summer Bischel did such an amazing job in this entire episode because... It's incredible. She was so... Like, her performance was gritty. It was emotional. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. Like, she displayed so much strength and, like... It, it's it's weird it because so like range. it was amazing. It, it, the the range is incredible, but it's some not summer, Hamargo, Margot's a character that uh, like I think she, the episode itself is called what a uh, hard glossy, um, what's the episode title? Is it armor hard glossy armor? No. Uh, all that hard glossy armor. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the lines she from the book, uh, and uh, she says it in the episode itself, but. It, it's true, like, even with her armor up, like, she gives this vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, performance. Like, it, and it's, it sh- doesn't, I, I, like, if you haven't seen this episode, why are you listening to this? But, um. <laughs> Go watch it right now. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it just works. It, like, there's that sadness in her eye mm-hmm. when she's talking about her father. Yeah. As well. Oh my gosh. So we, uh, yeah, and it's actually kind of in, around the scene where, so at first, you know, she and the foremost are, like, doing a little bit of pillow talk, and he's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go and get some more wine. And then we see Elliot, and um, it turns out that she, he's her conscience made real, thanks to the uh, the lizard the lizard juice. <laughs> and so he they're talking, and we get a lot more about, um, we learn a lot more about Margot's background and how when she was little, her dad... Um, kind of told her that she could be anything and do anything that she wanted and told her that she was more special than any other daughter and she you know um, viewed him in the same way like he was like the best dad until she grew up where her dad suddenly realized that he couldn't control her and so obviously like you know there's definitely a lot of deep-seated issues in her character and her relationship to men and so she you know refuse to ever let someone try to belittle her again or hurt her again so she was is always on the offensive right she will screw you before you try to screw her and if you try to you'll find out that you can't you've messed with the wrong person and so you know there's even the song selections for this for her segment was really amazing and like she as she's getting ready to sleep with the foremost to get her to get her hands on the axes afterwards like josh pops up too and he was he's like do you really want to do this and she's like hush go away i need to do this and i i enjoy it like i enjoy who pops up when they do it's a nice fun touch for that episode definitely and you know the next morning he basically tells her that the axes are only enchanted for him but she would need to go out to the desert to collect black sand to be able to then uh, forge her own axes. And so she's like, fine, I'll do it. Like, And he's all like, no one's ever been able to do it before. Are you going to handle this? You're a woman and you know, there's, you're know, you going to have to do it all alone and deal with the demons. And so she's like, I got this. Don't worry about this. And so she goes off on her own and manages to fill like a, a little portion of the bucket and she then gets incredibly emotional, right? And um, actually, wait, I think her talking about her dad was in that scene afterwards when she's talking to Elliot. 
right? Yeah. Okay, the, my mistake. Yeah, not the yeah. scene with the foreman. It was actually with Elliot. The scene with the foreman was more like how she... It was, I think, a story about when she was a teen and whenever she was getting ready to work a dude, she she would play a song in her head. Yeah, and Elliot starts singing that. Yeah, and she was like, I guess this is appropriate right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so as she's... Um, in the desert alone by herself with just her conscience it's such a powerful moment and she really like lets go and is so angry and I think you know a lot of women feel this way because there's so much expectations put upon them and there's so much like sort of double standards wherein you can only be this you can only be pretty or you can only be smart or you can only be you know like there's so many labels right and so she basically loses her shit in a big way pardon the french <laughs> and the 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 red sand demon comes but it doesn't attack her have we gone over what the red sand demons not yet yeah. so we find out in this scene where basically the demon um forms itself and it's it's kind of like a, a female demonic spirit right but they may not even really be demons, right? They're just spirits, like yeah. spirits trying to, trying to like help out other women, and that's what we find out because she, the spirit communicates with her, and she finds out what's really going on in like this in with the nomads and what um, they're trying to do. So the demon or the spirit then um, collects all of the black sand from Margot so that she can forge the axe, her axes, um, and so she goes back to the camp the next morning and basically tells the foreman and the the elder woman that you know she wants to do this like what's the next step and they tell her oh ha 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 you actually did it you should be so proud of yourself because no one's ever done this before but um it was it was a lie because she could actually use the axes right and that they had no intention of helping her make her own and so she was basically, screw you guys, you're not going to double cross me because I'm a magician and actually does some battle magic. And I don't think I've seen Margot like do real magic for a long time, right? It's been a while. Yeah, I feel like maybe the last time was, was it the bank heist for me? I feel like maybe. What? Yeah, I right? think it might have been dead. It, it, it's really weird because like most of her battle is yeah. with her words. Yeah, Like true. She hasn't really had to use magic. Like... Or Which unless is, Walters. Well, she, I think she did for Walters. But yeah, that was but season where, one, yeah. Yeah. But that's props to Margot. Like, yeah. girl doesn't need magic yeah, to, to... to, like, slay any day, right? Yeah. So she knocks them both out, and she then is able to command the spirits to um, possess all these douchebag dudes, and then tells the women of the camp that, you know, the spirits are actually working for you. If you want them to leave some, the body, you just tell them to leave. And so the women are liberated, and they discover that they can actually communicate with the spirits. And so Margo's like, they'll help you out. Like, don't worry about it. And so she doesn't kill the foreman and the the elder woman, but basically tells him that Gig, Jig is up. Um, it's going to suck for you guys now from now on because you are using the spirits as a means to control the women into sub being submissive um, people, basically. And so yeah. the buck stops here. And then... <laughs> Margo has grabs the axes and has an epic soundtrack as she leaves um, the camp, and everyone appears. 
Um, so all the main cast appears singing with her, which is which was awesome. I really really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, uh, like like I said before, the musical numbers are great. Um, uh, even uh, the ones that are more or less musically inclined. Uh, yeah, like I th- like they they do a fu- they do a better job than most other TV shows <laughs> when it comes to musical. Like I think they've chosen a, a cast well for this, even though I think. If they decided to use everyone, mm-hmm. they still could have had a, a better musical than most. Um, yeah, but I think, what was it? It was... Who was the... Do you remember the songs that they used? No. I, I'm, ter- I'm terrible with music, yeah, so it's I'm like... I'm kind of terrible with music, too. Yeah. All I remember is White Snake. That's all I remember. Yeah, it was White Snake. <laughs> there you go. And then last week was... Wait, was it last week? Yeah, last week was Pat Benatar. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Well, I- Pat Benatar, and um, it was Margot's uh, uh, White Spire exit song after Josh gives her the MP4 of um, of uh, 80s tunes. Oh, yeah, that's to. right. Yeah. That is right. Um, but, so, yeah, Margot heads off back to, I don't know if she's, she may not be heading to Fillory, but she's probably going to try to head back to Earth to be <laughs> oh, able no. to then, you know, have yeah. have the access to exercise um elliot so what does so i mean i'll just say this like when we start off episode 11 because i saw the beginning of this like Margot's back on earth i can say i'll say that much but like what means of travel does she have does know. she have the button who has the button is it Margot? i don't even know if the button still exists technically well, like but the button relies on magic so it depends if there's enough ambient magic to do that level of spell work right no i just thought you touched the, ma- the button but it's magically powered but i think there's enough ambient i don't know and f- wait this ambient is magic controlled in fillery yes i think it's also controlled in fillery yeah because the brown notes yeah That's right. and like they've been having a lot of like energy fluctuation in fillery too like remember um Josh was like, oh, we had a magical, like, um, time tree, clock tree pop up suddenly. I think it was, like, maybe two episodes ago or something like that. So I, I'm assuming that there, there's also some level of, like, library and forest magic stuff in Fillory. I'm guessing, maybe, or I don't know. Yeah. But actually, so before we end this episode, important to note that Alice gave Julia the binder from the Mirror World after they get back um and they kind of have this quick exchange where um julia's like oh what are you guys working on and we're like oh you know um alice is like trying to do a magical mapping of the library's pipeline and stage of revolution (laughs) yeah and then on julia and quentin and penny's side it's oh you know trying to find another god and um we're trying to stop him from building a sister (laughs) Um, I think I mentioned this in like the, our previous episode, but just like the way these characters move in and out of everyone, each other's lives yeah. with their own like plot lines going on, it, I just love it because it, they might not completely intersect, but it's related. They, yeah. It's related in one way or another, exactly. and it just works. Exactly. It works in some absurd manner. Exactly, and 
I think, like, at this point, it's really nice that Alice is sort of back in. Like, she's she's maybe on the B team, if we're going to look at it like the B team, right? Yeah. Wherein, right now, the main plot has been, you know, the monster and, like, trying to figure out what's, like, you know, what the threat is with him and what his plans are. Um, and now the Hedgewitch slash library stuff is, like, a secondary plot. But, um... It's nice, right? It's nice that she's back, and at the very, very end of the episode, um, you know, Julia tells Quentin that she wants to be, she's gonna be a goddess. She has to, she's gonna figure out how to be a goddess again so she can help, basically, try to defeat the monster. And and he's like, I don't really know if that's gonna help or work. And she's like, Well, it has to, and I need you there to remind me what it's like to care about other people and want to risk your life for people. Aww. And then very, very last scene, I think, is um, someone knocks at the door, Katie goes to get it, and it's Zelda. And I'm guessing she's ready to mole out for them. Like, hardcore. <laughs> Was it this episode where Zelda... I, I'm pretty sure it's this episode where Zelda opens up a book and checks the stats of, like, how much ambient magic there is? I don't think so. Okay. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I mean, I, she she was just checking a book to see how much ambient magic there was. I didn't say anything more than what her regular duties are at the library. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. If that's if that's a spoiler you've been dying for, then you guys are a very easy crowd. Yo. <laughs> spoiler alert! There's credits at the end of the episode. <laughs> If you've made it this far, I guess here's a little bonus tidbit for you for, for next week, potentially. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think this was a really good episode and like, it was, it was nice that there was a very Margot-centric episode because I don't think we've had that really, right, from other seasons. Or I feel like this is the most we've really learned about her character as far as like a backstory. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to think. Yay? I, Nay? I, yeah? I can't remember. So I guess we'll say yes. <laughs> but um, uh, do you think that... Um, do you think that now that... You know, I think there's a good potential that the creature has remembered a lot more right and yeah like if i'm still really surprised that he didn't go back to the um to the apartment right away and because he could have potentially just killed everyone already right like what does he need them for well, at this point well i think he made a promise to quentin but he has what he wants he has all four pieces now but he, remember, he's also childlike in his well, mannerism. Well, I guess technically he still kind of thinks Quentin is his friend, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he I wants a friend. Suppose, I suppose. But maybe you want sisters in town. Yeah, well, who cares about a friend when you got your sister now? <laughs> I still want my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if my sisters but all are... sisters. Apparently, if he I... doesn't love you guys that much. <laughs> <laughs> They're busy with their own lives. <laughs> their children and their cat. I want a cat. Oh, after watching Captain Marvel, I, I would like a cat too. But one that no, I'm not want... allergic to. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I just thought another medical question we could probably end on, but yeah. before I go into it, uh, you guys, I think that wraps us up, right? Yep. I think that's it. Yeah. I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you guys can follow us over at theworkprint.com, uh, theworkprint on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe soon enough Spotify. Uh, oh, for I think podcast stuff, right? Yeah. For podcast cool. stuff. Um, I just need to figure that out, but I've been told... Why isn't your podcast on Spotify? Guys, there's a podcast app on your iPhone. Just I mean, if you're it. An- it, there's it's Google free. Podcasts on Android. Okay, that's more new. But, like, why are you going to Spotify for podcasts? Hey, Spotify has invested a lot of money into podcasting. They have. So, you know, All right. I think we got to right. get on there. Drop me, drop me a line at theworkprint at gmail.com. If you're listening to us or trying to listen to podcasts on Spotify, so I can just talk to you about why. But before we go, if Fillory had a well of magic, yes, and wells collect rainwater, does it rain magic in the world of the magicians? But we don't really know where the water came from. Technically, it's magic water. <laughs> yeah, but we don't. Yeah, we don't know the origin source of the magic water. Like, I, I I bet you it's, like, even though it rains, it doesn't matter, right? Because I want it to rain magic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to crush your dreams. No! <laughs> this is a question for, um, for... Actually, I think you're right. You know why? Why? Because, was it Amber or Umber? One of them pooped. Oh, yeah. Into the well. Ember, so it clogged... Amber pooped it, in the well, and it, 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 it like, tainted up... the well. And tainted the water and clogged up the flow of magic, yeah. and there were brownouts as they put it. Yes. So uh, magic. So there's probably a pipeline going to that well. Yeah. It's not really a well. Yeah. It's it's probably just like it's like a cistern. That's a massive junk junction box maybe or something like that. Although they definitely do, um, whatchamacallit, call it? Even because yeah, like it's definitely water based though because. When the plumber came in and shut the junction box in Fillory, and then when they went to Black Spire to turn back on magic, it was all very water-based, right? Well, yeah. Wasn't there also, like, I think with Martin, or when they found that shack where the well was? Yes. We got, like, a... It was, like, this bluish vortex-looking yes. thing. So, yeah, it was, like, magical blue water. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we answered that mystery. <laughs> all right, guys. Catch you next time. Till, Bye-bye! Till next week. Bye!